0: Well, I have been so excited about today that literally last night, I think, remember as a child on Christmas Eve when you couldn't sleep? That was like me all night. Every 30 minutes, I'd wake up and i look at my alarm clock. I'm like, no, it's 2.30 (laughs) a.m., you know? And so I I come in here just wide, wide awake and a lot of coffee. And uh, (laughs) over the last uh, three weeks, we've been uh, in this series titled Go. And uh, this principle has kind of been that underlying kind of uh, string that's kind of tied everything together. Together, And the principle has stated, uh, the conviction of the why will drive the how. And so we've looked at the why for the past three weeks. Uh, we looked the first week, we looked at this word illumination. And we talked about how our lives need to reflect Christ's light everywhere we go. That we can't continue to, to keep that inside the church. That the church... The purpose is for you and I to go out into our culture, into our community, where we work, where we live, and that we should reflect reflect the light of Christ. Then the next week we talked about this word movement, that all of us are either moving closer to God or moving further away. That God wants us to continue to deepen and intensify our relationship with him. Then last week, we looked at this word, generosity. It's not something I want from you. It's what God wants for you. In an act of worship that we give out of a heart of generosity, out of a heart of sacrifice, where we lay that gift, our treasure, at God's feet. It's Jesus who said that your heart and your treasure are interconnected. And Jesus is after your heart, but he knows this. That if he gets your treasure, he will get your heart. Because those two things are so interconnected. So today we come to the how. And uh, there's three very important clarifiers that I need to share with you uh, before we jump into this. Because it's so uh, vital as we get into uh, this morning. The first clarifier is this. It's going to feel like a fire hose today. You ready for it? I'm just going to saturate this whole place. It's just like open up the valve and it's going to, you're going to walk out of here today going, huh, fire hose, right? That's all you're going to remember. Uh, there's going to be that much information. And so I'm just want to prepare for you. It's, it's going to come and it's going to keep coming and you're, you're going to, get, might get to a point where you're like, okay, enough. And it'll just keep coming. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Second thing, I want you to know that we're already in action. Everything I'm sharing with you today, it's already in motion, in action. We are moving. Uh, uh, every piece is at a different place in development, but every piece is going to be in motion. So if you, if you sit back and you're like, oh, we'll see it, we'll see it. We'll see if they actually do it. No, no, no really, we, we are nick deep in a lot of these pieces. But with that, that clarifier comes this next one. Uh, we also know that all these pieces are evolving as we go. It's this wheelbarrow principle. I don't know if you've ever, ever pushed a wheelbarrow before. If not, I own one. I'll gladly let you borrow it. But in a wheelbarrow, if you know, if you push it, if you fill it completely full of cement, rock, whatever, it's real heavy, you try to steer that thing sitting still, what happens? You'll just dump it. But once you get the wheelbarrow moving, guess what happens? It's so easy to navigate, to to steer, to turn. So we have all of these pieces in motion knowing that we're going to steer and we're going to change the course and we're going to head in a little different direction, but it will evolve over time with great minds, with great leaders, with great intellect, with great insight that collectively together we will accomplish what God uh, is giving to us, his vision. So the challenge I'm going to give for you today, and it's going to be a challenge I'm going to follow up with at the very end is this. I want you to be thinking, where can you link arms with us? How can you serve? How can you use your time and your talents to impact this vision that God's giving us? There's going to be a moment, I promise you, there's going to be a moment where this little passion thing rises up in you. You're like, ooh, like it's going to be that feeling. Hopefully you don't say that out loud. That would be awkward. But you're going to feel it. You're going to be like, ah, right? Pay attention to that. Pay attention to that and think to yourself, okay, that might be an area where I'm passionate about, where I can leverage my, my, my time and my talents to help this vision. You might have multiple areas, but I just want to lay that as a framework. So as I talk through a lot of these Renaissance 2.0 pieces, that you can be uh, paying attention to maybe what the Holy Spirit's doing inside of you, because we need all of you to link arms with us as we move into the future. We outlined about four or five months ago, underneath this Renaissance 2.0 kind of header, uh, four critical areas in the life of Renaissance that we need to pay attention to, that we need to develop, and that we needed to kind of put into place so that this church can be all that God has created it to be and to become. And those four areas are simply this, uh, outreach, spiritual growth, facilities, and stewardship. So today, we're going to take that as kind of a a framework for everything that has already started and where we're going uh, in the life of our church underneath this umbrella of Renaissance 2.0. So let's just jump in. Our our outreach team, they're answering this question, how do we illuminate the culture that we impact? If you haven't picked this up for me yet, I'm extremely passionate about the church. Extremely passionate about the church. Why? Because Jesus is is the hope of the world. And because Jesus is the hope of the world, he has made the church to be the catalytic movement to connect people with him. So the church is the hope of the world. And so we're going to spend a lot of time talking about church, not only today, but moving forward. But I thought it was important because Renaissance is a very unique church. And many of you really understand that. That's why you're here. But kind of the, the status of the church in the United States, it's not doing so hot right now. On average, 4,000 churches close every year. Now that's average. Uh, this, the statistics say it's somewhere between 3,000 and 5,000 churches close. So I just decided to cut it in the middle. So three, 4,000 give or take 1,000 churches. they literally lock up their doors, put a for sale sign out, and say, no, no one else can come. Staggering, isn't it? 17.1% attend church regularly. Now, you might have heard the statistic 40%. That's what I've always heard, 40% attend church. And that kind of makes you feel a little better, right? 40%. That's quite a few people attend church regularly. But you know what? They started diving into some of these these statistics. If I could get that word out, I'll be happy. uh, Right? I've been diving into those. And this is what they're finding. It's what they call the halo effect. And this, it's common in all polls. The halo effect states this. The people will answer your question based off what they would like to do. For instance, if you got a call from a poll, polling agency, let's say Gallup, and they would ask the question, do you exercise regularly? People will answer yes to that. Because they would like to exercise regularly. They think about exercising regularly. They have good intentions to exercise regularly, right? But if they start asking these questions, have you exercised in the past seven days? Out of the last seven days, have you exercised four out of the seven days, which equates to regularly, guess what they find out? Oh, that percentage drops dramatically. Same thing in church. They'll ask people, do you attend church regularly? People will say yes. one 40, 40 percent like of them will say yes. But when they start asking follow-up questions, they, they quickly realize the halo effect. The real number is 17.1. 85% of all churches, all denominations, all churches are underneath 499 people. And you might be thinking to yourself, wow, that's, I mean, a church of 499, that's, that's a good-sized church. of all churches are under 100 people. Last year, out of all churches, only 15% actually grew. But this is the number that stopped me dead in my tracks. Out of all churches only 2.2% grew because people gave their lives to Christ. Meaning, people unconnected to Christ came in and realized what Christ did for their lives, that he died for them. Only 2.2%. If Jesus is the hope of the world and the church is the hope of the world, do you think Jesus is sitting up there in heaven going, wow, good job. You are overachievers 2.2%. I know some of you right now, there's this tension inside of you because you've literally have verbalized this thought. Man, big churches, they're bad. Those big churches, all they want is, all they're about is, all they do, right? Those big churches. In Acts, listen to this. Chapter 2, verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now, I know, I know there's some churches that all they do is talk about numbers, 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 and it gets really nauseating, doesn't it? I I get that. But it's so easy to swing that pendulum to the other side and say, oh, a large church is bad. 3,000 added to their number that day. 3,000. Well, what we know about that number is that that's actually on the the, the low end, because during those times, they would only count Grown men. Do you think women accepted Christ that day? Yes. Do you think teenagers did? Yes. That number probably is more like 12,000. Then you get to verse 47, and it says, And the Lord added daily those being saved. And we look at a number of 2.2%. And we lean back and say, man, I hate big churches. First of all, Renaissance is already an extremely large church. Do you think Jesus died for small churches? Do you think Jesus died for 2.2%? What do you think that does within Jesus' spirit? The next time you feel that little hesitation in you, which I, believe me, I understand, and you feel like this place is getting too big, stop and say, 2.2%? Okay. We got a lot of work to do. You see, Jesus... He was so passionate about the one. There's a statistic that I found. And literally, it, it grouped all the states together. And they said, what's the, what's the trend going for uh, people in each state as, as far as where they're attending church? And uh, New Jersey landed right at 0%, meaning no change. 0%. So that means... Uh, uh, people aren't like dropping off from attending church or going to church more. It's just staying flat. Another statistic I found ranked New Jersey is number 13 from the bottom of people regularly attending church, 13. And you might go, wow, really, that low? Or some of you are like, really, we're that high, right? Um, What's interesting is I found that statistic from Gallup. Uh, Nevada, where I'm from, is number three from the bottom. I'm like, wow, I've jumped, (laughs) you know? But here was interesting as I was looking at all this research. Okay, New Jersey's 13 from a number, I think it's right at 34% of people regularly attend church. Nevada's number three on the list at 27%. New Jersey, 0% increase to decrease from people attending church more or less. 0%. You know what I found? Nevada, plus 1%. It's trending upwards. Out of all the states, they were basically grouped in plus 1%, 0%, or minus 1%. That was the trend, trend line. And I paused there looking at my computer and saying, you know what, I was part of a significant move, movement in Nevada. And I would like to personally thank that churches like Central Christian Church, when I started there, it was about 1,000. When I left, it was around 25,000 people. And churches like Crossing and, 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 and um, Canyon Ridge and Southern Hills and Verve and all these other churches in that entire valley that collectively the church, the movement, has so much illuminated Christ that guess what, it's created this uptick, this plus 1% in in Nevada. And my thought quickly raced to, I wonder if churches like Renaissance and Liquid and Emergence and these other great churches that collectively we can make such an impact that one day we'll read this Gallup poll and we won't see a 0%, we'll see a plus 1%. Wouldn't that be amazing? You see, I know Because sometimes it feels like it's all about numbers and bigness and thousands, all that. And we think of church like this. But you know how I think about church? I think about church like this, about the one. Because that's who Jesus died for. And Jesus wants us to be radically passionate about the one, the one person that he brings into your life that he intersects your life with with their life, and you can share with them your story, your imperfect, flawed story about what he's doing in you and through you. But this is what happens when the church gets so laser-focused on the one, we will reach the thousands. It's that simple. It has to happen that way. There's no other way about it when people get so laser focused on the one and sharing their story about what Christ is doing in them and through them, this catalytic movement is created. And so we are going to be extremely passionate about reaching the one. And I'm going to talk about that a lot. I had someone ask me that this week. They're like, Chris, you talk about reaching people and sharing their stories and this whole one concept a lot. Are you going to continue? Yes, because for me, 2.2%, I think it grieves Christ that the church is that ineffective. And he said, the church is the hope of the world. So we're going to be laser focused on the one. With that comes our next team, or our next area. It's our spiritual growth team. And uh, we've been asking this question How do we create opportunities for spiritual movement? How do we create opportunities? For spiritual movement, we've been using this great commission text in, in Matthew chapter twenty-eight, and Jesus's words. He said, "All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, action, movement, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them." And Jesus always equated salvation, giving your life to Him, and baptism together. It was one of these like uh, one step, two steps. They always come together, where you give your life to Christ, and then baptism follows. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey. It's not just about teaching. It's taking what you are taught and putting it into action. I really hope that your spiritual life, your spiritual movement, does not depend on me. Seriously, we'd be in a bad state if that's the case. But that us collectively that we will learn together and obey, put in motion, put in action what we are taught, what this book says. Two weeks ago, we used this simple tool, this minus five, zero, plus five tool. And what I loved about it, it created so much conversation. It was awesome. I'm still hearing stories about conversations about people talking about where they're at and where they need to go and what that looks like and the challenges thereof and and the, all of that, the tension that's being created, this great tension, the encouragement that has come with it. And I want you to know that Renaissance is, is a church for all people. Wherever you are spiritually, if you find yourself in that minus one, minus five area, awesome. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here and you feel welcome. And then you can a- ask your questions and you can work through Uh, pieces that have you concerned and work through doubts and work through moments where you're not not sure and i hope that this will continue to be a place for you where you feel like you have the space to explore who god is for you and for those of you who find yourself in that plus one to plus five area i hope you feel the pressure because we are going to put the pressure on together i'm talking about myself too where we will continue to move together you're either growing closer to god or further away and so together, as a community of people, let's grow together. Let's fight through those tensions. Let's fight through scriptures. Let's fight through those moments where you're just like, I don't want to. And God's like, please. We have an incredible team of people that are working diligently on how do we create opportunities for people to experience movement in their spiritual life. And as those pieces come online, we're going to share those with you. One of those pieces you find, you uh you have found on, on your seats the spiritual uh, life survey card. And uh, this week, this, this uh, survey will go live. You'll get an email. Again, if you're not on our email list, you need to. We communicate so much through that way. You can go to the guest center, and we can get you on, on the list. But uh, um, we need all of you to take it. Where, wherever you might be spiritually, minus five, plus five, somewhere in between. We want to hear from you because it's going to help us develop tools and resources, opportunities for you to grow. And we want to know where you're at. So please, please take the time. Uh, uh, do the survey, survey for us. It's only open a limited number of weeks, and then it shuts down. And then we're going to get like a 40-page report. Um, and it's going to be incredible for that team and for us as we move into the future. Well, another piece as part of our spiritual growth. Several months ago, I think three or four months ago, Rich and I sat down. And one of the glaring needs we had here within uh, Renaissance was uh, this area of what we call care. Uh, there's incredible needs, and we just didn't have systems or mechanisms to help, help with those needs, to, f- to care for those needs, to come beside people with real needs, like someone who goes in the hospital, or they have a medical issue, or they have a death in the family, yeah, those type of needs. And so he started to develop a team of people to address what these ne- needs are, and how we can partner with you to address those needs. And so we have a team of people meeting right now, and they're working through all of that. One of those uh, needs underneath that care kind of umbrella is we understand that there are needs that we can't help you with. Um, and so we realize that this, this word counseling was going to be real important. And I know you might be sitting there going, counseling? Like, no. My life was saved through counseling. I was that messed up. Do some of you resonate with me? Come on. It's okay. And so what we realized that guess what? There's moments in life where where our issues, our struggles, our emotions are that upside down that we need someone to come beside us. And I'm serious when I say counseling saved my life. It saved my marriage, it saved me as being a father to my kids it saved me as a pastor, it saved my life. Ask my wife. And so we realized that there's this big hole here at Renaissance. Like, how do we help people who find themselves at a state like I was? And how do we provide that opportunity? So we started researching, what would that look like? And God opened this amazing opportunity. You might have heard of a church called Redeemer Presbyterian in the city. Tim Keller is their senior pastor. Uh, they're doing an incredible job in the city. Well, what we discovered is they have this robust counseling center. They have some 35 to 40 counselors on their staff. And so we called them. We had no idea what, what that phone call was about other than could we learn, could we ask questions. We're trying to figure this out. And through that, that conversation and, uh, and subsequent conversations, guess what? We just signed the deal with Redeemer Presbyterian that we're going to have a satellite counseling center at Renaissance Church, isn't that awesome? Yes. And uh, in the next seven to fourteen days, we'll have all the specifics up on the web. We'll share more about you. We'll have office space for a counselor, uh, and they're licensed counselors—not like some back alley counselor, like like Do you have a pause. Hey, help counsel, right? They're licensed counselors. It's going to be an incredible, incredible. Um, ministry tool for us as a church with you because again I understand what it's like to get to that place in life emotionally where you can't work it out yourself I'm so thrilled about about Rich and, and, and that whole piece, it's awesome the last piece about uh, our care is what we're uh, calling our impact ministries you know, churches are not just called to their local community in, in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 It talks about going, it's another place for the Great Commission, going to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so we realize that we need to get a lot better at reaching the least of these and helping feed the hungry and clothe the homeless and care for kids that are dying. Why? Because Jesus died for all people, and he has called the church to minister to all. All people. And so we've already, uh, our first impact partner is an organization called Compassion International. And uh, you might have never heard of Compassion. Maybe you're really familiar with Compassion. They are getting it done around the globe. They are feeding hungry kids. They'll help training moms who've had, never had training before. They have no clue what, it, what it, it is to care for an infant. And they're training moms. They're, they're creating jobs. Um, training so that people can create businesses in their little villages around the world so that they can provide for their family. It's amazing. And they're doing it all through the local church. I was in Ecuador about a year ago, and I I saw this uh, in motion. And it's amazing what they're doing in Ecuador. And so our first impact partner is going to be Compassion International with more to come in line. Why? Because Christ has called us to be a church. Everywhere. And so we're going to be alike. Couldn't be more excited. Well, some of you might be sitting there right now thinking to yourself, well, what about our kids and teenagers? Well, everything I'm sharing with you today is also for our kids and teenagers. We haven't forgotten them. Honestly, for me, they're, they're, they're the most important. When we have this little saying that we're going to talk a lot about in our children's ministry is we want in our children's ministry for this to be the best hour of a kid's week. Why? Because mom and dad, let's be honest. Mom and dads, how many times have you woken up and you're like, I don't want to go to church? And your kids are like, let's go. And you're like, no. But how can you tell your kid no? Right? That's like our secret, like, ground warfare against you. I'm just letting you know. It happens to me. I tell you, when I get a weekend off, this sounds bad. I, I probably shouldn't say this, but I will. When I get a weekend off, like, do you think I want to go to church? I'm like, no, I've been there way too much this year. Right? You, you, you sit through one service. I'm in three, okay? And my kids will come in, and they're like, Mommy, Daddy, we got to go to church. And how can I tell them no? So I just want you to know. That's, that's our secret little uh, sauce right there. But we, our children's ministry, our kids are begging to go, and that's awesome. In our student ministry, uh, we're launching something called Elevate on uh, February 26th. We literally are going to have a student service. It's going to have a message, and it's going to have worship, and it's going to have videos, and it's going to have skits, and it's going to have games, and it's going to have discussion groups. It's going to be just like this for teenagers. It's going to be awesome. And you might be wondering, well, why do we need that for teenagers? Why can't they come in here? They can come in here. But so many times we think, oh, for our kids and our students, oh, they're the church of tomorrow. When they grow up, when they get more mature, then they can be a part of the church. No, they're the church of today now. We want our kids and students to be living out everything that I'm sharing with you today and more. I was a freshman in high school when I had Madeline Hansen come up to me and she said, Chris, I want you to teach a kindergarten class. I was that freshman kid that was just running around crazy. I'm like, you want me to teach? I had no clue what I was doing. And I found myself, my heart being captivated by teaching these little kindergarten kids. And I loved it. And it was my sophomore year in high school when my youth pastor came to me and said, Chris, I want you to teach on Sunday morning. I'm like, you want me? He goes, yeah, I want you to teach on Sunday morning. In front of my friends, yes. I walked in this class of 50 to 60 junior high and high school kids. I stood up in front of them. And to this day, I'm not really, really sure what I, what I, what I taught them. All I know is they laughed at me for a couple really stupid things I said. And I got done, and I walked off, and my youth pastor put his arm around me. He said, Chris, God wants to use you. And it lit a fire within me. It was between my junior and senior year, I found myself at a camp, and I found myself walking down forward. And I was that student that would laugh at all the other students walking down forward. And I found myself going down going, oh, no, what is happening here? And I found myself literally saying to God, God, I'm going to give you my life in full-time Christian ministry. I had no clue what that, that, that meant. No clue. But God moved in me and through me. And the, the ride that he has had me on, oh, it's been good. When we talk about illuminating this culture, it's not just a nice adult thing we talk about in this room. We mean that for our kids and our teenagers. And we have incredible teams of people they're creating a Catholic movement in all age areas. Well, that leads us to our next area, our facilities area. And uh, they've been asking this question, how do we accommodate the first person? How do we accommodate the, fir- how do we accommodate the thousand and first person? And you might be thinking, really? Do we need to ask that question yet? Shouldn't it be a smaller number? Christmas Eve, we saw a 24% jump from year to year. 24%. Easter last year we were at 854. If you take that same 24% number, guess where we're at now? We don't know what to do for this Easter. What an awesome problem to have. Like we, we seriously were like, okay. If we grow grow like we if we grow like we we did at Christmas Eve by 24% Easter. Where are we going to put everyone? What an incredible challenge we have. But it's always about the one. And that's why the question is, what about the thousand and first person? Wouldn't that be just a tragedy for you to show up one Sunday morning, have a friend with you who you've asked for five years, and they finally said yes, and you walk in, and there's not a seat? And I know you might be looking around going, well, Chris, there's still some open seats. Here's reality. There's a principle called the Pareto Principle. Maybe you've heard of it. It, it operates in all different industries. And it says eight, it, It's 80%, 20%. 80% of your sales will come from 20% of your customer, customer base. 80% of your complaints will come from 20% of your customers. It just works in all industries. In the church, once you hit 80% at your optimal service time, You stop growing, period. You can't crack it. And we're hitting that right now in our 1015 service. So here's a challenge for some of you. I'm going to ask you, move to the service earlier or later. Remember earlier, the little announcement thing where I'm like, hey, your service time's not changing. But here it is. I'm just going to ask you, until we can address, how do we get more people, more room? It's great, great, a challenge to have. And so we're looking at three specific areas. One is the Opera House. How can we increase more seats here? So we have a team of people uh, looking at that. Within the next two weeks, I think we're going to have a plan on how we can increase more seats right here. Number two, future space. As we all know, I'm a New Jersey expert. There's not a lot of free re- land around this area, right? right? It's, just, it's just not. If you go to Nebraska... You can find land here. Uh. And so we have a team of people saying, okay, what about the 3,000 in first person? What are we going to do? The third thing, and this might be a brand new concept for you, and I'm not going to do it justice, but but I at least want to share this with you. We're we're playing around with this idea, discussing this idea called multi-site. And playing around is probably the worst way I could have worded that. We're actively pursuing this idea called multi-site. And basically, what we found out is this. This is where everyone's coming from. And the, the, the circles are not uh, numbers of people. They're family units. And the bigger the circle, the more family units coming from this area. And you can tell people are coming from uh, along. I, I meet people that drive 45 minutes and the hour to come here. You know how many churches they pass? But they resonate with Renaissance, right? It's not like we're the best church, Right? But there's something about the DNA of this place that you resonate with. That you kind of go, yeah, this is me. I get this. Well, industry standard says that people, when they have to drive more than 20 minutes, their weekend attendance goes down. Their consistency of serving goes down. And their willingness or ability to invite a friend, guess what? Goes down. So... I kind of did some scientific research at my desk with Google, Google Maps, and uh, that's approximately a 20 minutes circumference. But here's the thing I've realized being here six months now that I'm an expert. Right? You can drive 20 minutes, and you can feel like you're in a different world here in New Jer- Jersey, can't you? 20 minutes. My wife and I went to a restaurant, uh, this restaurant called Bonefish. It has the best salmon Oh. Okay, I'm thinking about it. It's good. Okay, moving on. It's it's amazing. And we drove 17.1 miles. It took us about 20 minutes. We get there and literally we're looking at each other going, we are in a different world. So we know that the circle is more like this. And so we're looking at how can we launch Renaissance style churches throughout this whole area? Not because we're the only church but we know we have a unique DNA, a DNA that you resonate with so that you can attend regularly, that you can be a part and serve, and that you can invite your friends to. So we're looking at it. We're working towards that. We're trying to figure that out. Well, that leads us to our last team, our stewardship team. And uh, they're asking this question, how do we help people leverage their time, their talents, and their treasures. And here, here is a challenge for you. I asked you, where are you going to serve? We need you right now. We have four incredible teams filled with men and women that have given countless hours. They are smarter than me. They are better leaders than me. Uh, they're more gifted in their areas than I could ever dream of being. And I walk into these meetings and I talk to their team leaders and it is inspiring as people have given so much to themselves already. But here's what we know. It can't just stop there. We need all of you to link arms with us with your time and your talents, how God has wired you, your passion areas to come and link arms with us so that we can take this vision that God has given us and and illuminate This entire area. Well, then you'll see that other line, that treasure line. I know some of you might be sitting there going, and here it is. This is where he's going to ask for my money. I knew it was coming, even though last week he said he wasn't going to ask. (laughs) I'll say this until I can't say this anymore. I don't want anything from you. God wants something for you. And I'll promise you this. We will get this done with or without your treasure. I really believe that. But I'll also say this to you. What God wants to do in you and through you in an act of worship, when you lay your treasure down at his feet, when that treasure is able to to be used by the church, the hope of the world, to impact lives. You can't put a price tag on that. You can't. i want to ask the band to come back up. And uh, what I want to do is read for you Acts chapter 2. And... Uh, maybe for you right now, you just close your eyes. Maybe you stare at the ground or stare up or maybe you just kind of go into your little zone. But what I ask is that you just think about everything I've shared with you today. This Renaissance 2.0 vision. And as I I read Acts chapter 2, I just want you to think about these words in the Bible as it is laid over this vision. And I want you to ask yourself, how can you Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those being saved.